welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hello, I'm Steve. I'm a sexaholic. Um, uh, welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. I'm Steve. I'm from uh, Memphis, and I'll be your facilitator and, and leader for this session. Um, the name of the meeting is Step two, san- and Steps 2 and 3, Sanity and Surrender. Um, please take a moment to silence all electronic devices. If you need to use yours during this meeting, please take it outside. We ask that you not make any personal recording of this or any meeting. Please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. In the spirit of carrying the same message, this meeting is being recorded. If you are not sure your share will be appropriate or on topic, please participate by listening. The recording equipment will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone so the listener can follow you. If you wish not to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment. Um, So here are the guidelines uh, for sharing at this meeting. This is a question and answer session. So the the microphone is for asking questions, um, and and I'll do my best to answer them. uh, uh, and, um, and, and, And if you would like to ask a question, please speak clearly into the mic so that everyone can hear you. For the sake of time, please just ask the question without going into too much detailed background information. In other words, it's not a, this isn't a sharing session. There are sharing sessions where the mic is open for you to share. This is for, for questions. Um, in participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing how to apply the 12 steps and the 12 traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk, please. If someone feels another is getting inappropriately explicit or is focusing excessively on the problem rather than the solution, they may, they may so signify by quietly raising their hand. Although this is an anonymous meeting, please remember that anonymity does not mean legal confidentiality. Please do not share any felony for which you have not been adjudicated, else we will be required to inform law officials to protect the injured. Please be mindful of what you share to not break your own or another member's anonymity. Okay. Um, I'm Steve. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Got sober in Nashville, Tennessee, until moving back to Memphis about uh, 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 10 years ago. I've been sober since uh, August the 5th of 2001. Um, 
the, the topic uh, is uh, steps two and three, sanity and surrender. And I think one of the things that my uh, one of my early sponsors taught me about step two is that in order to recover, I need to admit that I'm insane. I can't be restored to sanity if I believe I'm already sane. Um, and this, I heard, I heard this talked about quite a bit um, in the rooms before it finally got through my thick skull. Um, the disease cycle. There's two. There's two uh, big aspects to, to my disease. One is that I have an abnormal reaction to lust. If I start lusting, then it doesn't satisfy an urge. It increases the urge. So if I start, I get. I can't stop. This is very similar to the alcoholic's problem. He is thirsty for alcohol. He has one drink. He gets thirstier. Now, this in itself would not be a problem if I were sane. Um, I've heard an old-timer in AA share um, that he has an, uh, an, allergy to, an allergy to poison ivy. He breaks out horribly if he gets, touches poison ivy, but he didn't have to go to a meeting to sh- share how he, didn't ma- he managed not to jump into a patch of poison ivy today. And when alcohol is not affecting an alcoholic's brain, when, when he is sober... He has the insane, he or she has the insane thought that he could have another drink while perfectly dry. This is the same for me and my lust addiction. When I am sober, that's when my sexaholism is in full force. My problem is not lust. Lust is my solution. My problem is that I can't stand sobriety. Sobriety makes me restless, irritable, and discontent, inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid. That's my baseline state in untreated sexaholism if I, if I am sober. And so that insanity is part of what I need to admit and realize in step two. The other thing that's been very important for me in step two, uh, the way I've uh, been taught to, to perceive and, and uh uh, th- this process of coming to believe that this solution that you have can work for me, I've got to identify. I've got to see that I've got the same problem. In Bill's story in the big book, there's something that one of my teachers calls a page eight experience. On page eight, Bill reaches this point of despair. No words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. It's a profound step one experience of realizing he can't do this. He's hopeless against this problem. And and I've got the same hopelessness with that twin uh, problem of the physical allergy to lust and the mental obsession that always causes me to take the first drink. However, Bill doesn't become sober after having this step one experience. He hasn't yet had a solution, and it's not until he's sitting with a childhood friend who he knows very well is a drunk like him and sees the change that's taken place in him. I've seen plenty of spiritual people, but unless I identify with them and see that they're like me, I can't believe 
that I could ever be like them. So I can't believe that what, what works for them would work for me. And so that was very important for me, this process of identification. There's a number of ways that identification is also important. It's important for me for step four in getting free of my resentments. And it's important in step 12 in working with, with other sexaholics um, uh, to identify and see my own disease and be reminded that I'm sick, just like every other sexaholic in here. Um, but um, there's a... Uh, uh, there, there's some uh, instructions, I think, for me, there are instructions on page 18 of the big book on, on how I should um, uh, make myself available so that you can identify with me. And it's basically the way you have made yourselves available so that I can identify with you. It says that the man who is making the approach, working with a sexaholic, has, has had the same difficulty that he obviously knows what he is talking about. But his whole deportment shouts out at the new prospect that he is a man with the real answer, that he has no attitude of holier than thou, nothing whatever except the sincere desire to be helpful, that there are no fees to pay, no access to grind, no people to please, no lectures to be endured. These are the conditions we have found most effective. After such an approach, many take up their beds and walk again. This is after explaining that doctors, psychiatrists, pastors, wives, uh, many experts can't seem to get the alcoholic um, uh, um, to, to, to change uh, or, or to cure, to be cured, or, or to relieve their alcoholism. But this process uh, that Dr. Bob identified with Bill Wilson on the founding day of um, Alcoholics Anonymous, he said, this guy drinks like me, and yet he's sober. Maybe I can do what he's done. And that identification, I think, for me, is a very apart, important part of my coming to believe that God, as he's at work in this fellowship, can restore me to sanity. Now, the next part of that is the program of action, which begins with a decision. Now, the... Um, the word decision is very important in the third step. Um, there's some teachers in AA called Joe and Charlie, and they have a lot of recordings uh, about how to follow the instructions in the big book in, uh, on working the steps in order to have a spiritual experience that relieves my obsession to drink and enables me to be usefully and happily whole. It enables me to live sober in spite of the fact that I have this fatal disease and this impossible situation that makes me doomed to take another drink or, or have another lust hit. Um, and, and what they say, the story, they say there are three frogs on a log. Two of them decide to jump off. How many are left? And the answer is three. Because they've decided to jump off, but they haven't carried out their decision yet. So this is applied to step three. Step three is the decision. Last uh, late summer, early fall, I was invited to come to San Antonio to be part of the program here. I decided very gratefully to accept that decision. I was not in San Antonio after making that decision. I was still in Memphis, um, and a number of things had to happen uh, 
I had to, to carry out some actions before the decision was carried out and I showed up in San Antonio. Step three is a decision to turn my will and my life over the care of God. The way one of my teachers has, has, has kind of transposed this Joe and Charlie story is what step, he asked this trick question, what step do you turn your will and your life over to the care of God? You ask a sponsee that very quickly. They usually say step three is like, uh-uh, no. I decide to turn my will over and life over to the care of God in step three. I carry out the decision by working the remaining steps. So steps four through 12 is the correct answer if you don't want to get from your sponsor on that question, if they're coming from the same place. Uh, so the instructions in the big book are the instructions for the AA fellowship. They are also the instructions for the SA fellowship and working the steps of SA according to the SA white book. I read this from page 77 of the white book, how it works, the practical reality. This title is adapted from chapter 5 of Alcoholics Anonymous entitled how it works. The books Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, also known as the 12 and 12, constitute the basic texts of the original 12-step program. This section is not intended to be a comprehensive, the section in the white book, is not intended to be a comprehensive exposition of the steps. So it says here very clearly in the white book, this, this white book is not a replacement for the, 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 big, the big book and the 12 and 12. In fact, the founder of our fellowship got sober with no essay meetings and no essay literature by working the AA program on his lust recovery. And he found alcoholics willing to, to help him with this. Um, we now uh, can find many sexaholics who are sober who have done this, and we don't have to... To, to find AA members, but we, it has been a tradition, and we have always used the AA literature uh, in, in SA. And so the, uh, uh, I'd like to briefly just point out that the uh, big book contains instructions. Now, the instructions are a little bit disguised. When Bill wrote the original version of the big book before the first published edition, which was in 1939, when he wrote the first uh, uh, the original version, it had some differences. And if you go to chapter 5 in the big book, How It Works, which is where the instructions really begin in concrete, it now says, Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. This is on page 58. It's the very beginning of the chapter. But in the original version... It said, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our directions. The original members thought Bill, who was a salesman and a New Yorker, they thought he was kind of pushy. And so they wanted to soften him, him up a little bit. Um, they wanted him to, to kind of change it around a little bit. Um, so the instructions, like for instance on page 60, it now says, um, the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Here's, they're, they're saying, you know, and this is the, part of the instructions for step three. They're talking about step three. How do I 
make this decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Um, you know, what does it that exactly mean and how do I do it? And so it's answering that question. And it says the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. If you go to the original version, it says the first requirement is that you be convinced. It's an instru- very clearly an instruction. you got to do this. Well, all my, my sponsor took me through the book, uh, showed me all the evidence that this is true, showed me the original version, showed me places in this book where you can still find, uh, uh, you know, the book says it has instructions in it, yeah, clear-cut directions, it says, in one place. And, and any time they did something, I interpret that as an instruction to follow their path thoroughly. I want to get the results they got. I need to do what they did. So um, now many people, if your sponsor, by the way, takes you through steps, the steps in a different way, your sponsor's right and I'm wrong. Okay? This is not dogma. Okay? This is, but this is a path. If what you're doing is not working for you or you got a sponsor, you don't think it's working for, for uh, him or her, you know, this is, if you haven't tried this yet, you, you may want to give it a try. Um, there are instructions. I don't recommend trying to figure, figure them out on your own and, and doing it without a sponsor. Um, I've seen some pretty uh, poor results from people who tried that, um, and, I, and I don't want to do the experiment of seeing what would happen if I did it myself. But... Um, there are about eight or nine places in pages 60 to 63 where it gives specific instructions. They did something. It also talks about what it means uh, to uh, to take this step and where we are before. The, to summarize, as I've been uh, taught, before working the steps in my disease, I, I have lived life on the basis of self-will meaning I make decisions about what to do by consulting my own knowledge and experience about what's best for me, what's, what's going to get me what I need, what's going to keep me from losing what, what I already have. You know, how can I get what I want? How can I feel the way I want to feel? This becomes the basis for my decisions. doesn't mean I'm never kind or generous or, or trying to be helpful. But it means that even when I'm doing those things, there's some root of selfishness underneath it that's really the controlling principle. And that is what keeps me out of the life I'm supposed to be living. In order to, to live the life that works, I need to play the role assigned to me. And, and the book describes an actor who's trying to be the director. His job is to follow the director's directions, but he's trying to do the director's job. And that is the, the picture of what it means to be living life on self-will. Step three is the decision to change my basis from self-will to trusting and relying on God. It says this very clearly on page 68. Um, it's talking about fear, and it's actually in the fourth step. But we're at fourth step is we're beginning to carry out this decision to turn our will and our life over. And it says, perhaps there is a better way. We think so, for we are now on a different basis. 
the basis of trusting and relying upon God. Over on 60, it talked about the basis of self-will. We're now, if we're if we're really carrying out this decision, we're we're trying to learn how to 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 make our best ideas about what God wants us to do be the controlling factor in in how we make our decisions. Yes, I'm scared, but my fear doesn't dictate what I do in this situation. Yes, I'm resentful, but my resentment isn't controlling my behavior in this situation. If that's how I am uh, living, then that's what, what the decision in step three means. And so there's a lot of things in the pages 60 to 63 where it explains this. But in, in interleaved in those explanations are the instructions that I need to follow. Um, one is that first requirement of being convinced. So when I'm working uh, uh, step three with a sponsee, I asked him, uh, occasionally I've sponsored, uh, taken a woman through the steps, I asked him or her, are you convinced that any life run on self-will can be a success? Now, it's possible that someone, you know, reads that and, and says, yeah, but I'm not convinced. I, I just don't believe it. Well, that needn't be a barrier. And this is one of the other things in, in the stuff on step two. I don't have to believe this if I'm willing to act as if I believe it. It's not that I'm faking it. It's I'm not being dishonest. I'm simply, des- I've become desperate enough living my life in the old basis and being, uh, you know, suffering the consequences of my illness. I've become desperate enough that I'm willing to try an experiment. If I ask myself the question, what would a man or woman who is convinced that life run on self-will won't work, what would, what would he or she do in this situation in front of me today? And I can take that action as an experiment and see what happens. So these places, there's a previous place where it talks about being convinced. This is being convinced we are at step three. And, 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 and so one of the things that to get to step three, one and two, is, is this being, uh, being convinced that I'm, I can't manage my own life, I'm, I'm a sexaholic, that human power won't work, and that God can and will if I seek him. You know, being convinced of those things. Same thing applies. If, if, you know, they were convinced, and if you read the original text, Bill says, you need to be convinced. If you're not convinced, you know, reread this book or just throw it away. That's what the original version says. Pretty pushy. Um, but the point is, th- these, these are very important ideas. However, if I don't believe that God's going to help me, and I'm not sure I did when I got here, but I'm willing to act as if He's going to help me, then I can see, you know, I can for myself, I can do the experience. My experience is God does, and, and that process, in that process I became convinced, I came to believe that God really is at work in this process. So that's the first thing, uh, being convinced. The next instruction that I have found that clearly to follow is at the bottom of page 62, the instruction to quit playing God. And so when we reach this point, I ask my sponsees, to make a list of ways that they can play God, because if I'm going to quit doing something, I've got to know what it is I'm doing that I that I'm uh, deciding to quit, and 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 so forth. And we go through, and I, and if you want uh, uh, 
I can I can uh, go through very specifically with you uh, the remainder of the instructions. There's the prayer. There's some instructions that are actually they occur in the book after the prayer, but they're to be done before the prayer. Remember, this was written by an alcoholic with three and a half years of sobriety. So, anyway, um, it, it's it's a miracle that that it works uh, so as well as it does. Um, but um, I'm happy to to go over uh, the specific instructions in here with anybody who want. And then if you find something in here you think is an instruction that, that I missed, please let me know. Um, it's amazing. I've looked many times at this, but I, I can look at or read a passage that I've seen dozens of times before and then see something that I never saw the previous time. That's what spiritual literature is. It's not just information. The newspaper that I've read, yesterday's newspaper, it's old news. It's, it's garbage now. This speaks to me where I am. Um, and, and, and there's a spiritual, God, God uses this literature in ways that uh, are, are quite remarkable if I'm open to that. So um, I'm going to stop sharing uh, for, uh, for now. Um, and and um, anyone who would like to ask questions, um, uh, please please try um, if you need to give a little background information or you want to share briefly uh, something to give context for the question uh, that would be all right please keep it like you know under a minute or so and then I'll do my best to ask the question uh, answer the question or speak out of my experience and and I, I rely heavily on the literature so if I can I'll find a page number that speaks to, to whatever your question is um, so um, uh, if you'd like uh, please come on up and and Grab some chairs if you'll sit. Um, thank you. Yeah, kind of create a, a line of chairs here. And um, hi, I'm Joe. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Uh, Steve, thanks for uh, thanks for that setup and for the session. Um, so I'm, you know. Frustrated. Um, I've been I've been in the program for I guess two years. I'm frustrated with consistency of sobriety. Um, I, you know, I believe that I am uh, that I that I want to turn my will in my life over. Um, I know that I want to walk in sobriety, and that's a progressive victory. And I struggle with. Um, you know, wanting to also be able to get my lust sips when I want them. So if I'm, whatever, if I'm reading something or whatever and, you know, I find it, you know, stimulating or whatever, I want to be able to go and do a quick Google search on that person, that actress or whatever, you know, and just say, hey, it's just a search, you know. I'm not, it's not like I'm going to do more. But um, I, I guess my question for you is how would you, how would you, Define that in terms of the steps. In terms of is it a step, just a step zero problem, or step zero through three, or thinking about the frogs on the log? Is it you know just the follow through with steps four through twelve? Like how would you define somebody that's trying to keep just a little bit of little sprinkle of lust around? Thanks, Joe. Uh, thanks for the question. Great question. Uh, a lot to think about in that question, a lot to reflect on. First off, I want to say up here, although they've given me uh, the, uh, the mic and some instructions and, and so forth, I've been sober X amount of years, whatever, I'm not an expert. Um, I'm just a satisfied customer. 
Um, the the, um, uh, the the expertism. Uh, somebody asked a question about bleeding deaconism, bleeding deacons in, in the last uh, session, and, and and there's a thing in the 12 and 12 uh, in tradition uh, too. Thank you. Um, that that talks about getting to think, you know, I'm an expert, or that essay can't get on without me, and so forth. That's a that's a very deadly place to be. And so I'm just a sexaholic, just a satisfied customer. I um, also think that, that the problem, uh, the sex, our problem as sexaholics is, is, has some things that are very different than, than the, the alcoholic problem. I've never been to an AA meeting. I'm a, I've been a member of AA and I am sober from alcohol and I don't think I can take alcohol safely. I don't want to do the experiment uh, today either. Um, but I've never been to an AA meeting where the topic was what is alcohol. I've never been to an AA meeting where the topic is what is progressive victory over alcohol. And and I've never been to an AA meeting where the topic was how do I know whether or not I've had a drink of alcohol. I mean, it's much easier for the alcoholic to know. And, you know, but I do believe... Uh, the, the AA program works... On, for alcoholics, whether or not the alcoholic knows anything about the chemical structure of alcohol. Um, now, I don't think that our questions about what is lust and 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 what is uh, you know what is progressive victory over lust. How do I know whether I've had a lust hit? I don't think those are the wrong questions for us to ask. I think it points out the difference. But but ultimately, the the program of action does not require me to to know. Um, uh, to be able to define or to, to, to uh, lust, it just requires me to carry out that decision. Now, I, I, I am not sure. I, I, I want to try to get um, back to, to Joe's question as best I, I, I understood it. I have my own personal experience. I have heard many other experiences. I see things that I identify with in others' experiences. I also see differences. There, there are a lot of different uh, differences. My experience is that when I'm lusting, it's a manifestation of self, as the book calls it. It's, it's, it's a, that, that life on the basis of self-will, I'm looking uh, to get what I, uh, I want, and, and it takes me to that place where I'm in that restless, irritable, discontent, inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid place, and I'm trying to get quick relief. And um, and my habit is to go to that abnormal uh, appetite that gets stronger when I try to satisfy it. And so as a sexaholic, I have that. Um, uh, and And I have not been instantly removed of uh, lust thoughts or crazy sexual images that pop into my head. But one thing that I've consistently found in in my recovery so far, and I pray that I continue to have this for another 24 hours, is that when those thoughts come into my mind, I no longer feel this hit or of euphoria that that turns me so far towards the where I'm like, yeah, I want some more of that. I've gotten further and further away from that, which got that 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 desire 
um, that, that takes me over the edge to where I can no longer control my, my behavior. I haven't yet crossed that line in, in, in recovery, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, I think in my recovery, in my experience with lust, as I've continued to live life on the new basis, which as I understand it, taking my attention about off of what I'm afraid of, what I resent, what I think I need, what, what, you know, I think should happen, what I think you should, how should you be acting, you know, you know, my sponsees, they don't do right. Other SA members, you know, they, you know, well, that guy's being selfish. He's not carrying the message or he's, he's violating the traditions and blah, blah, blah. You know, taking your inventory. When I get my attention focused on all that, it takes me right back into self. The, the program tells me again and again to get my focus. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. I used the term program very specifically. My teacher taught me the fellowship is the meetings. The program is the steps. I, 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 many people say I've been in the program X amount of years and I'm not, I had sponsors that were very dogmatic about this, so it's kind of stuck in my head. The program, when I say program, I'm talking about the steps. The program teaches me to constantly redirect my attention, not to what I want, or am I going to be okay? Uh, am I going to have enough? Or is this fair? You know, is this what should be happening? To direct oh, my attention continues to go there, but the program tells me on a daily basis, whenever I catch myself doing that, to redirect my attention away from that and direct it to what God wants me to be. God does not want me to be drunk on lust. If I'm preoccupied primarily with finding out what He wants me to be, that will take me away from lust. Uh, uh, I was just on a panel with Jesse, the speaker from last night, and 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 uh, and that was a great experience for me. I really enjoyed um, that. And he said something that he heard from Jess L, an old member um, that I did not remember, but he said, "Lust needs my undivided attention." My addict needs my undivided attention, and and if I direct my attention away, just even uh, this reminds me of something Harvey said years ago. He was in a meeting at work that he really had to be in with a lot of people, and there was a person in there that he found very triggering, and just was constantly found himself looking and, and wanting, wanting to you know felt the temptation, and and he prayed and he did various things. And he was still having the trouble. And then he finally made the decision, you know, to turn his chair one quarter of an inch in a direction away from that person. That much. And that one little action broke the spell. Because he kept bringing his attention back to how do I stay focused on what you want me to be focused on, God? And if I'm sincerely doing that, God will give me the power I need to, to not go down that rabbit hole again. Um, I've been talking for a few moments uh, since Joe asked this question. I'm not sure I've answered it, Joe. Is there some part of it that I haven't spoken to that, that was important? If so, I apologize, and I welcome you to come up here again and, and reiterate or re, <laughs> re-ask. Sorry about that. Uh, my sponsees experience that quite a bit. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. That was a lot of good stuff. Uh, 
But uh, I was just trying to understand um, how, I guess, uh, where that kind of struggle fits into what you were saying earlier about, you know, the steps and how, the, yeah. So, so if 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 you know you you know that you want you know to walk in sobriety, you know you want step three, you want to, you know, so the the decision is there, right, to turn your will and your life over. But you still struggle with, you know, trying to get those hits and sips, you know, the cheat stuff, right? Not full out, but like cheating, I guess. Um, what kind of, where, where in the steps would you call that an issue um, from what you were saying earlier? Okay. So that makes sense. Um, I, I may understand the question, and you, you can stand up here, say here, uh, just in case. Um, which step is it? What, what do you call it? And I'm not sure, okay, I, I'm not saying I don't have an opinion about that, but I'm not sure it matters what I call it. You know, and I think different people would disagree. If I say, oh, this is a step seven issue or a step two issue or a step one issue, I mean, different people would, would might call it uh, different things. I'm not sure that's as important as the process, you know, and which which manifests in many different ways. In people's recoveries, and and I can't say that I understand it at all. I just can report my own experience and and marvel at at the results for me and for and for you. Um, but um, so the struggle. First off, sexaholics struggle with uh, lust. That's what sexaholics do. So one of the things I I probably poorly tried to say is that. A lot of times, sponsees will call me and express frustration with the fact that their, their brain won't stop throwing these insane thoughts at them. The the um, and, and what the first thing I try to do is remind Ryan is I say, well, it sounds like you're a sexaholic. It sounds like you qualify for recovery. And and I was taught a prayer. Um, I believe Harvey taught me this prayer many years ago when I lived in Nashville. Um, God, thank you for reminding me I'm still sick. Because part of my insanity, as I said at the beginning, is that, well, I don't remember I'm insane. I think I'm normal. I think I'm fine. I can make decisions. I can, I've got, I'm healthy. I've got, I'm educated. I've got all this knowledge in my brain. The insanity involves a switch that turns off the part of my brain that knows better. The restless, irritable, and discontent drives this blank spot. And so that's part of my disease. And so I have these thoughts. My brain keeps throwing these thoughts. Now, there's also what do I do with those thoughts? And um, if, if my opinion only, um, if someone is struggling with the thoughts and continuing to act out, to lose their sobriety, or even get drunk, I mean, we, I've sponsored men who, without masturbating to orgasm, have spent hours. I, I, I sponsored a man who was claiming six months of sobriety. He wasn't telling me or anyone in the meeting that um, he was looking at illegal pornography on his work computer. And because he wasn't masturbating to orgasm, he was declaring himself sober. He came in one day and reported that he'd been fired for his job and wasn't sure whether they were going to turn the hard drive over to the authorities and, and <laughs> him be prosecuted. So that's not exactly what we would call progressive victory over lust. Um, and that was pretty uh, powerful reminder for me. I would call that step zero or step one. I mean, th that's that's an issue of of not admitting I'm powerless. 
Now, as far as the decision, and it's a very important, in my insanity, it says in the doctor's opinion I, that I can't tell the truth from the false when I'm in that, that mode. This idea of a, I've made a decision, oh, I want this. Well, I love the AAs with their simple little sayings that are aggravatingly uh, apropos. Um, a decision is followed by action. An intention is followed by more intentions. If you want to know what I really believe, don't listen to what I say. Watch what I do. My feet tell the real story. Part of my disease is this disconnect between my head and my heart. And I thought I felt this. I mean, I thought I was care, cared about you. I thought I was being selfless. And, you know, the whole of my behavior told a different story. So if you believe you've made a decision in step three and you're not sober, then it may be, as the book says, those who do not recover are constitutionally incapable of being honest with, with themselves. There may be a self-honesty problem there. However, if you have made the decision and you're getting results um, and yet you're still troubled with this lust and, and you're not going all the way, but you just really wish you, you weren't, you know, it's a, it's a spiritual barometer. I can look at what I'm doing. I can talk about it with my sponsor. There may be something I'm not doing that I need to, to do, something I stopped doing uh, uh, that I need to start doing again, or something new that I need to look for to, to, to address the problem inside of me. That's the root of the problem. But if I do all that and I'm still having this problem, thank, thank you, God, for reminding me I'm still sick. I just take it as a reminder that this is, what it means to be a sexaholic. It's what keeps me coming back into these rooms, you know, where I need to be to save my life. If I got to where I was completely struck, sober, 100% free of lust uh, or crazy thoughts all the time, would I still come back in here and get what I need to survive? Would I still uh, be, you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, let God, you know, offer what he wants to offer to others through through uh, my experience, the way you all do for me. So anyway, uh, is that a, did I do a better job? OK, thank you. <laughs> Whew. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Please, please come up. We go till 1120. So, OK. My name is Charlie. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Charlie. And I don't know anything because everything that I know was taught to me from other people who knew. <laughs> right? And like my sponsors and everybody else, I was like, man, I am so grateful that I met those people because God put those people in my life. And, you know, we had this brother and he came up here. We have brothers and sisters in the essay that we have a lot of questions when we first came in the essay. Oh, my gosh, I'm dealing with all this stuff. We want to know, please tell me, what is the key, the solution, you know? Like, you know, what is this? We have an algebraic expression, right? And we can't figure out the answer, right? So we want, what is the solution, right? And then in that same, on page 78 of the essay book, we will try to present a realistic picture of our own experiences in recovery. We trust this will shed light on the path ahead for others and communicate in a direct and personal way how the program works for us. It, it seems our feet are, if it seems our feet are too much on the earth, that is because not one of us has ever worked the steps perfectly 
The road was up and down, smooth and rocky. Sometimes we were surrounded by beautiful vistas. At others, we were in a fog and saw nothing but the placing of one foot in front of the other as we trudged ahead. And that's it. My sponsor said, Charlie, that is it right there. Just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. Whether it's beautiful, whether it's foggy, whether you're screwing it all up, or you've got it all packaged up together nice and neatly, just bring the body back, and eventually the light will turn on, and I will say, oh, wow. And it's God doing it. Awesome. Thanks. Very well done. And, and, and um, let's see. Um, um, we've got like five minutes left. Um, yes, uh, say what? Uh, five minutes left? Okay. Uh, Hello. Hey, Matt. I'm Matt, Texaholic. Um, we're talking about sanity and surrender, and anytime I have a lustful thought, you know, I call people in the group, you know, get it out of my head, keep me from acting on it. The problem I have is later, you know, that thought was in my head. I should not have been thinking that thought, but I did because I have an addiction to lust. You know, I talk through it, I work through it, so I don't act on it. But the guilt is still there, and I'm trying to find a way to... I know I feel guilty about it because I thought it, and I shouldn't have been thinking that. It's not what my higher power wants me to think. But how do I dump that guilt get rid of that guilt and that's that's where my problem is I can't dump the guilt even though I've worked through the thought and I've gotten away from it how do I dump the guilt and I guess that's my question if anybody has any help you, on Matt. that thank, thank you, you. Um, uh, Steve sexaholic um, let me start by um, talking about uh, and I the, Apparently, uh, some of my AA friends have worked in AA offices where they get a call from a wife who wants an explanation or, or an answer of how to get their husband sober. And uh, this is this is a uh, <laughs> interesting situation of, of trying to refer someone to Al-Anon, and, um, and and they come to Al-Anon and they want. Instructions not for themselves, but 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 for the, for their partner, and they don't exactly get what they they thought they were looking for. Um, the reason I tell this is because um, the question is about how to get rid of that feeling of guilt. Um, but it may be that in many cases um, I can do all the things that the program recommends, and then I still have the feeling. Well, there's something else the program recommends, and it's about acceptance. And I have at times, I did some horrible things in my disease. I've had a lot of shame and guilt. Now, I had some shame and guilt also that I, others had put on me. Um, I'm a victim as well as a perpetrator. Um, I, I had shame that I continue to put on myself. And, and I think I can learn to stop doing that, and I can be free of that. But there's also a certain amount of shame and guilt that I created in my behavior, and it is mine to experience. Now, as far as thoughts, I don't believe uh, that, that, that I am guilty for 
thoughts. If I'm a sexaholic, I'm not controlling my thoughts. I don't believe that I'm creating real guilt. And 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 that thing I just said about God, thank you for reminding me I'm still sick, was a tool that that I was given for shame. For, for when I'm beating myself up for my thoughts, that's like beating up a pneumonia patient for coughing. You know, this is a symptom of my illness. So it helps me be free. It, 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 and my disease wants me to be ashamed because that makes me more vulnerable. That makes me uh, more wanting relief. And 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 so when I reframe the lust thought as a um, uh, an indicator that I'm still sick, then it becomes something that helps my recovery rather than something that helps my disease. Um, but even so, I can still sometimes be left with feelings that I don't want to feel. And... It is the demand for relief that takes me back to the disease. When I am getting sober, when I got sober, I had to feel all kinds of things that I previously medicated. And without a commitment to the idea that I'm not finding a way to get rid of this feeling, I'm finding a way to live through it. I'm finding a way to direct my attention away from it enough so that I can tolerate it while it plays its course. And then I I was letting go of the demand of of feeling different um, when I did that. And that opened the door for something, for God to put something in me through you, through uh, a quiet moment, through something I stumbled across in the literature. And and so it was a, a... a, a great, a great thing. Um, I have. Um, uh, I, we've run out of time. We've got like one minute to go, so we better close up. But thank you all so much for listening and for for sharing and for for your questions. Um, uh, I'm about two minutes late doing this. In closing, anything you have heard this at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Remember that we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for SA. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about in SA to yourself. The shares we have heard were told in confidence. Please do not repeat what you have heard about another member to anyone who is not actually here at this meeting at the time that it was shared. Please, what we say here, when we leave here, let it stay here. Here, here. Okay, let's close with the serenity prayer. And if you're willing, I'd love to circle up.
Thank you. Rick, okay. I'm also an alcoholic, and I'm, I'm about four years old. I was just curious. You seem like you have a pretty good handle on the big book. Would you mind if I gave you a contact number to reach um, out at times for, not for I would love, I'd love to talk to you anytime. I can sometimes, I, sometimes, no, phone is fine, and I can give you, uh, uh, here, let me just give it to you. Um, okay, great. I'll put a button. Yeah, see, I, I'm an academic, and I, and, and I'm also a little bit autistic or ADD. I, I, a lot of times I have the phone turned off. Um, I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.